Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Oliver's celebrated its 20th birthday this year, so to mark the occasion, we're re-releasing 20 of our favourite podcast episodes over the next month. Listen again to some old favourites or discover hidden gems you might have missed as we dive deep into the back catalogue. And don't forget there are more than 400 podcast episodes in the archive. Just head to olivemagazine.com to find out more. This episode, author and blogger Richard Makin, aka School Night Vegan, talks about veganising some of his favourite takeaway foods, including toefish, burgers and fried chicken and shares tips and tricks to getting them just right. Okay, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Richard Makin, um, also known as School Light Vegan. Um, Richard is a vegan recipe expert, developer. He's got a fantastic website, School Light Vegan, and his Instagram of the same name where he shares all of his brilliant ideas He's also a regular contributor to Olive Magazine, so totally thrilled to have him back again today. Hi, Richard. Hi, Janine. Um, I've got you in today because one of the things that I know readers are really interested in and listeners are really interested in is um, veganizing their favorite takeaways. And I know that it's something that's very, very close to your heart. I've been mm. snooping around your website and seen so many incredible recipes on there that you've sort of spent a long time making perfect. Um, what are the most popular takeaway style dishes that you've veganized? I think uh, it's probably my, in terms of clicks, it's probably my vegan uh, fried chicken yeah. recipe. And that thing tops the Google searches every single time. Yeah. It is bonkers how well that's done. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just it just shows how many people who have made the switch to vegan eating or to plant-based eating or whatever, still miss those things that sort of have like childhood memories or or those sort of feelings of of being with your family or like picking up some fried chicken after school or whatever. Yeah. And um, th that's where the, the power is in that sort of recipe, I think, in that it's sort of very emotive in that memory, memory yeah. bank. I think one of the things I find interesting about your feed as well is your you're not scared to experiment with those kind of 
products and ingredients that are out there that you know that that aren't actually just made from plant I mean they're made they're plant-based but they're not just mm. vegetables I know that there's a, there's there's people in the vegan world who kind of slightly reject the the meat substitute thing um yeah. but I think what's lovely about your your feed and your website is you kind of embrace the whole sort of you know from from the healthiest thing to the most kind of indulgent takeaway style thing you seem to embrace the whole range yeah. of them I mean, my feeling is why limit yourself? I love, a lot of people do um, oyster mushrooms. Do you know the sort of big ones, big open mushrooms mm. that you get in Chinese cooking quite a lot? Um, people tend to use those as chicken substitutes quite a lot. And that's a very, yeah. that's a very sort of uh, whole food plant-based kind of kind of way of, of approaching it. And that's great. I've got a, a recipe on my blog for um, vegan buffalo chicken bao. So it's kind of, and and I use those. I use oyster mushrooms in there. Yeah. But but likewise, I'm a massive nerd. So I love to pretend that I'm in a laboratory, sort of pouring things from from one beaker to the other. And and that's when I really get stuck in with all of those odd, strange ingredients that nobody's heard of and wouldn't expect to find in a in a recipe. I mean, you, I can tell you absolutely love the process, don't you? Like, how mm -hmm. many times would you will you test a recipe typically to get it right? I mean, it depends on the recipe, but I've probably got an upper limit of like 10 times, let's say, <laughs> 10 to 12, <laughs> 10 to 12. And then it just gets a little bit ridiculous. But I mean, I, I have three vegan chicken recipes on on my blog because they mm. keep they keep sort of improving each time I, I sort of work on it and make it and rethink it or whatever. But people love the old versions as well. So I keep yeah. those on the blog for people to access. Yeah. As a recipe developer, what sort of things have you got like front of mind when you're when you're trying to recreate a recipe? What sort of things are you looking for? Um, I'm a very visual person and I think a lot of people are very visual eaters and people don't really take into account how how big a role that is when you're sort of about to sit down to a dish. If it doesn't look like what you what you're expecting it to look like you're not going to feel right about it you're not going to enjoy it in the way that you're expecting to and especially when you're trying to sort of tap into those memories of of th you know things that you used to be able to eat if it doesn't look like it then there's no there's th there's no vibe there but if you also can't hit those flavor notes or that texture note or whatever then it's pointless if it looks exactly like it but but tastes completely different. So it's about finding that balance, I think. Something that looks very much like the original, but also hits that 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 taste and texture balance. I was going to ask you, what's your feeling about, um, obviously, vegan has exploded in the past couple of years. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, big manufacturers, big companies are getting on board. Um, what's your feeling about how they're doing? Do you think that... Um, you know, what are the sort of things do you think that they get wrong, for example, when they're trying to, mm -hmm. to hit that market? Um, they get a lot wrong, <laughs> but they get a lot right as well. There's a lot of vegans with a lot of opinions about um, who should and shouldn't be making vegan food and what it should look like and what it should taste like. And as far as I'm concerned, a rising tide raises all ships. The, mo the more options we have out there and the more interest there is in vegan products, the better, because... It's going to push the market to yeah. to innovate and find new solutions to to old problems. And um, I think the thing that we often get wrong with is getting stuck in a rut. I mean, 
I personally don't need any more vegan burgers. I think we've I think we've done it. I think we've done it. And I think there's lots and lots of people still trying to be the next Beyond Burger or the next Impossible Burger or whatever. And it's like, no, let's start thinking about what else people want to eat, what else it is that people are missing. Yeah. And you're seeing that in the vegan seafood sector at the moment. There's lots of exploration into you know what the beyond burger of the sea could look like and um and and we're getting there there's lots of hits and misses but there's also a lot of really exciting innovation going on yeah well let's talk a bit about um about cooking and ingredients um hero ingredients for you can you talk us through some of your your favorite ingredients both the kind of everyday ones and the slightly more out there ones that that people can use um and investigate to in their cooking yeah, I mean, I was literally this morning thinking about this while I was cooking cooking lunch. And um, I should give a shout out to my absolute all-time favourite ingredient, which is just a can of cannellini beans. Mm-hmm. I, I am an absolute stan for cannellini beans. I am obsessed with them. And this is a recent thing. I've never... I've never really cooked with them that much. But they're the sort of lo- longish, white, soft soft beans and obviously in a can they're pre-cooked but um they're great for obviously putting in a in a chili or whatever you'd normally stick them in but they're also really brilliant if you blend them in a high speed blender along with the soaking liquid that that they come in 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 the can for creating like a creamy sauce and basically any savory cream any savory dish that that needs cream so like a vodka sauce that that you would normally put double cream in or something like that you can literally just blend a can of cannellini beans and use that in the same way and it's and it's delicious i'm obsessed with it it's it's changed everything i mean it's one of the holy grails of vegan cooking like a decent savory you know cream substitute because that used to be wouldn't that previously have been like the cashew Sauce. exactly exactly which are quite expensive actually aren't they if you think well, there's about a, it. yeah exactly there's a number of issues with cashew cream in my opinion which is one they're really expensive mm. two the air miles is always ridiculous because they come from abroad three you have to pre-soak them so you have to think in advance be- rather than just sort of you know being ready to whack something into the pan and also there's a lot of debates about how about how ethical they are. They're kind of really intensive to harvest and um and there's a lot of exploitative labor that goes on with yeah. them too. So um all of those things made me start to consider what could be an alternative option. And for me right now, cannellini beans. I'm making the case for cannellini beans. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So if you're starting with cannellini beans as your creamy base, mm-hmm. um what let let's talk about a, diff- a couple of different directions you could take it in for a sauce. Okay, so you can add something like nutritional yeast and some Dijon mustard mm. or even some onion powder to it before you blend everything up. And you've got basically like a cheese sauce. Wow. And so if you stick that in the pan, cook it down and then chuck some pasta in, you've basically got mac and mac and cheese. Um, it Strangely as well, because the cannellini beans are such high a high fibre um vegetable you can also use it as like a ready-made sort of bechamel on like a moussaka recipe so you just blend it up with a pinch of salt again you can put some nutritional yeast in there for some like cheesy flavor pour it over your moussaka and stick it in the oven and it bakes 
sort of it like kind of fluffs up as it yeah. bakes in the way that like a like a bechamel would. Um, so yeah, it's there's literally nothing it can't. <laughs> nothing this it is can't amazing. Like, you heard it here first. I'm loving this. I've never yeah, heard this I, before. I could genuinely write an entire book about cannellini beans, but they have to be canned because otherwise it defeats the object. You know, you have to pre-soak them and all of that sort of yeah. stuff. Stick around for more plant-based chat from Richard. I was having a snoop around your website earlier and um, there was a few things I wanted to ask you about, you know, the, the kind of fake away, takeaway things. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to talk about the fried chicken in, in some depth on the other, um, on the bonus episode that goes along with this and you're going to share your recipe. But um, t- tell me about towfish. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> How do I make it? No, it's what, been, what is it? <laughs> it's So basically, towfish is... Um, the idea that tofu can be a vessel for any for sort of fishy flavors mm. and I like to use um something called kombu which is a kind of a kind of kelp a kind of seaweed to um, marinate your tofu in uh, you can also use um the kind of seaweed that you make uh, sushi out of nori you nori, can use yeah. that and just sort of make what's called a, a dashi so it's kind of like a Japanese stock base that's just really fishy, really umami, and just tastes like the sea because you make it with 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 seaweed. Mm. And you sort of marinate your tofu in that and then basically use it as you would use, use fish. So you can then grill it or you can batter it and deep fry it or you can bread it. Um, I've seen a lot of people use it in um, fish taco recipes, things like that. And uh, I think the first place I ever tried it was at um, Club Mexicana. Do you know those oh, yeah, guys? Yeah, I do know them. Yeah, yeah. We've had the, them on the podcast, actually. Yeah. They're wonderful. And they've, they're the first sort of vegan vegan street food I ever tried. Mm. And their stuff is great. And they made a brilliant uh, fish taco recipe with towfish that even had like a layer of skin on it which was more like nori seaweed sort of laid on the tofu before it was fried and it just gave it that extra bit of sort of fishy fishy flavor um does it it matter what um because i know tofu comes in different um mm -hmm. not thicknesses i know tofu comes in different kind of textures firmness yeah. yeah firmness yeah I tend to use the extra, extra firm if you can get a hold of it, just because right. it holds its shape a lot better. It doesn't fall apart after it's being been marinated. But also what you can do to extra firm tofu is kind of slice it on the diagonal, kind of like a Hasselback potato, you know, like lots of little <laughs> li- little slits. And that gives yeah. it that kind of fillety, fillety texture and lets all of the all of the marinade get get right into the middle. So there's like a real kind of scientific process at work with you isn't there where you're kind of thinking how can I layer up the flavor how can I get the flavor into the thing and then finish it so it looks exactly like you know the fish and chips that you you might get down the exactly yeah I mean it's again it's the flavor the texture and the appearance and if you can sort of work on all of those in balance and get them as close as possible to the to the to the original product then then you've nailed it. I mean, there's there's so many other things that people do exactly the same, the same with. People use banana blossoms a lot, which is sort of the flowers of the banana plant, and they have this strange, 
fibrous kind of fishy texture and they also can hold on to a lot of a lot of flavor so people marinate those and i'm experimenting at the moment with um fish fillets made out of uh i shouldn't actually be telling you this because i've not released the recipe but it's top secret but bamboo shoots so at asian supermarkets you can buy like great big bamboo shoots sort of like a huge triangular wedge and they they look remarkably fishy um they're sort of beautiful white color kind of like cod you know cod Mm. would look um and very sort of flaky textured once it's been cooked properly but stay keep your eyes peeled for that for that recipe i will do i will i'll look out for that um let's talk about your burger recipe because it actually hits quite a few of those things i was going to say it seems Mm. to be like a texture flavor mouthfeel and you said you know burger is one of those things that you feel like you've got you've got it to the the point where you're happy with it yeah. how do you how do you put your burger together what would what would make up your perfect vegan burger so my burger recipe um is sort of a hybrid of a soy based burger so it uses some tvp i think we talked about tvp in in a previous episode and how yeah, it was we have, yeah. it was like the wonder Big vegan in the ingredient <laughs> yeah received but it's actually a really great ingredient for a getting a load of extra protein into your into your dish because it's basically just pure soy protein, mm. um, and B giving stuff a meaty texture because it mm. has that bounce, it has that sort of chew. Um, so my burger recipe is kind of half TVP and half seitan as yeah. well, which is wheat gluten based uh, protein. And if you sort of knead those two things together and then steam the burger before you chuck it on a on a grill, you get oh. a really delicious sort of chewy, meaty, meaty bite to it. And I even cheat a little bit in terms of flavour. And um, I don't know if you saw this in the recipe, but I use Bisto. I so, saw the Bisto. <laughs> yeah, not many people know this, but red Bisto is completely vegan. It's not got any animal products the in one there in at the all. T- it's like in a, in a cardboard tub, isn't it? With a exactly, little, top little plastic top. Um, it's completely vegan. And it has that sort of like really rich umami kind of beefy gravy, gravy flavour. Yeah. But it also, as you as you know, sort of as you pour the hot water into it, it thickens and becomes yeah. like a, a smooth thing. So it also helps your burger to kind of stay together because it's got plenty of starch in there as starch well. There. So it's dual purpose. It helps the texture and the flavour of the burger. And I think you even beefed it up a bit more with um, miso and marmite, those yeah. two fantastic umami vegan yeah. friends yeah oh my gosh my husband is in canada at the moment and uh he's having regular panic attacks because he can't get hold of marmite I, I just don't know how we how we lived without <laughs> without it before we found it but um yeah it, it's that perfect sort of meaty really rich umami flavor um and it, it, once you stack all of these things up together you just get this beautiful really juicy meaty burger and it's also perfect for the grill so on the on the in 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 the summertime you can just whack it on the barbecue and it's ready to go and you said like on i think you glaze it at the end don't you because you actually want to get you you steam it first so that Mm -hmm. kind of cooks it but then you can cook it again and get some kind of is that to get the the burger crusty bit yeah the sort of caramelized um texture on the outside and and it also helps to release all of those juices that are locked inside kind of like you would i mean it's unfortunate that you do have to there are the two cooking processes that go in there's the steaming and then the grilling that that happens but that's just the nature of seitan it has to be cooked before cooked twice basically before you can eat it 
But it means you can get ahead anyway. I mean, you can steam them presumably and then cook cook them again the day Definitely. after or something. You can even steam them and then freeze them, and then they're just sort of ready ready to go whenever whenever you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it, 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 for anybody who's also not interested in 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 making their own vegan burgers, like I said, there's so many out there now. Good there's ones. so many good good store bought ones out there, and. Um, and I think anyone who's been to a supermarket recently will will have seen some on a supermarket shelf. So, yeah, don't go to too much trouble. I was thinking, <laughs> good, good phrase. I was thinking the other day about um, back in the day when we first had um, like Wimpy. Do you remember them? Oh, I, I remember think it was Wimpy. the the little was it the black bean burger, and it was like super mushy and just not. I mean, we've yeah. come so far in terms of getting a burger that pretty much tastes like a burger. And this is why it's so important to encourage that sort of innovation that's happening because mm. that's how that's how we get better products, right? That's how we get get more choice and better products is that people put their money behind it and that pushes suppliers to kind of create something new and better and step yeah. their game up. Can we talk quickly about your because I love it. Um you said you're obsessed with tofu nuggets. <laughs> And yes. they're one of your favorite recipes, I think. Yeah. What is it about them? Is that the childhood thing again? Definitely, definitely. I mean, I I don't have many memories of me. I went vegetarian when I was about six. So there's so there's a few sort of very telling things that I can remember. One of which is is a happy meal burger, yeah. but also chicken nuggets as well. Like I just remember them so vividly. And um, so yeah, I've made it my mission in recent years to try and try and achieve that sort of crunch and that kind of um i don't know that sort of junk food pleasure that comes with just sh- sh- stuffing your face with with chicken nuggets <laughs> but but by using using uh using tofu instead and um it's actually really easy it's really not that difficult at all what are the two like main or, or the two or three main points that you need to absolutely nail that that um the nugs um just remember that tofu is a really wet ingredient, particularly when you're comparing it to, to you know, processed chicken that I yeah. guess they're putting in chicken nuggets. And you're never, ever going to get an oven-baked crispy nugget if you don't drain your tofu properly. Yeah. So either invest in a tofu press or just in advance stack a load of plates on top of your tofu to squeeze out all of that, all of that moisture. Um and then my other tip is if you're using panko breadcrumbs on the outside, I really like to pre-toast them. So you basically just toss them in a little tiny bit of oil, stick them in a frying pan and give them a little little toasting in a, in a hot frying pan. And it gives them that extra sort of golden colour. And then once they go on the tofu and into the oven to bake, they're they're sort of already halfway there. You know, they don't need to spend ages browning inside the oven. And do you put seasoning in the... um, the Yeah, I mean, it's not 100% necessary, but I'd really like to get a bit of smoked paprika in there, some some onion powder, some garlic powder, um, and maybe sometimes a little herb, like a dried parsley or something. Yeah, I mean, why not? They're so simple. You can just have them on the shelf and shake them in. It's it's zero effort, isn't it? And let's be honest, tofu isn't the most flavoursome of things, particularly when you've not marinated it in anything. But if you can add the flavour in the the breading, in in the coating, and um, it really really sings. Fantastic. I love that. Um, Just finally, I was going to ask you about um, vegan trends, 
the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what have you What have you seen happening? What What do you think is coming up? Um, is there anything in your on your radar at the minute? I feel like the the next thing and the next challenge. I touched on this before. Um, might be seafood, vegan seafood. I feel like that's the, that's the movement where all of the sort of big businesses are are going, and. Um, I tried a really, really amazing vegan tuna the other day that really took me back. Tuna, wow. tuna sweet corn sandwiches is one of those things that's that's uh, <laughs> I can really remember it really vividly. And um, I yeah, I feel like that's maybe the next what would you call it the the, the next frontier of vegan yeah. foods is seafood. Fantastic. I, I mean, that's not on my radar at all. So it's great to hear that from someone like you who's co- who's constantly looking for you know those new those new things coming up. So whatever it is that people are that people are missing, and yeah. I think in light of uh, Sea Spiracy, the documentary that that aired this year, I think a lot of people who who aren't even vegan are looking yeah. for alternative options when it comes yeah. to seafood. True. Fantastic. Oh, well, thanks for that, Richard. Thanks for all of your amazing tips. Um, Anytime. And if you listen to the bonus episode for this, we're going to we're going to take a deep dive into vegan fried chicken. Um, you can also find Richard fantastic Instagram feed and it's at School Night Vegan and his website, which is schoolnightvegan.com. So, yeah. Thanks again for chatting to us today, Richard. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. For more information on things we talked about in this episode and to check out our back catalogue of over 200 episodes, head to olivemagazine.com.